All right, entrepreneurs, small business owners, and especially all you lawyers and attorneys out there, like my dad, like my uncle, we've got a special guest for you today. We've got Davina Frederick, who is a Florida-based attorney, a business growth strategist, and the creator of Deep Frederick Media and Marketing. She's focused on kind of helping lawyers and attorneys get to that seven figures club, which is of course the name of the podcast, our focus. How can we help business owners, you know, where we didn't learn a lot about how to build a business in school, get to seven figures. And that's exactly what Davina does in the legal space. She works with other attorneys and high fiduciary solo and small firm practitioners to help them create the lifestyles they truly desire in businesses to support those chosen lifestyles. For about 15 years prior to becoming an attorney, Davina worked in-house at an agency as a professional services marketer and copywriter. Well, that gives her a big advantage to other attorneys. And she's also an entrepreneur who has created and invested in multiple startup businesses, including her own law practice, a high-performing fitness training facility, food manufacturing company for the past four years. She's been on a mission to help other women entrepreneurs stop making excuses and start creating wealth. Davina, welcome to the podcast. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you. Thank you. That that uh, bio is a little, uh, it's one of my earlier renditions of my bio. So that was interesting to hear it. Hear it again in that way. It's like, yes, I have done those oh, things. It sounded uh, compelling to me, but uh, update us. You. So, what are some of the, you know, updated things that you've uh, been busy uh, building here? You know, serving attorneys and with all the other businesses you've got associated. Yeah. So for so I became an attorney. Uh, I it was a second career career for me. My first career was in marketing, right. as you said, and I actually worked for a number yeah. of professional service businesses early on and for an agency, but I went to law school and graduated around the age of 40 and with the intention of starting my own law firm business, which I did. And then I uh, practiced as a lawyer, grew my law firm successfully. I wound up leaving that for personal reasons and I started a second mm. firm. And that time it was a virtual law firm. And this was in 2011 before there was such a thing. There were very few virtual uh, law firms at the time. And I got a lot of pushback from that. I also started hiring coaches to help me figure out how to not make some of the mistakes I'd made in my first firm, even though it was financially successful, it really stressed me out. So I got introduced to the coaching world and um, I've been now coaching women law firm owners for about a decade under my brand, Wealthy Woman Lawyer. And so Wealthy Woman Lawyer is um, a law firm growth strategy and business coaching business that helps women law firm owners scale their law firms to and through a million dollars. Um, so that's, that's kind of the short version of, of that, of what I've been up to. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that and, and updating us uh, with what you've been busy with the last decade, Davina, you know, as I mentioned uh, earlier, my dad uh, has been an attorney for over uh, 30 years and he's kind of, he, he kind of worked for uh, the government as a County attorney for a number of years, still works at that, but he also has a private practice to kind of, you know, pay the bills. I'm the oldest of nine kids. So had a lot of bills to take care of. My wow. dad did. 
And and that being the case, I I, I know there in in your experience, and you you know uh, went to law school in law school and, and in school in general. How much did they kind of you know prepare you to be able to have your own law firm and run a business? <laughs> what did that look like from you know that education? They didn't. Perspective? They didn't at all. I think the goal of law school. I, I once had a, a mentor tell me that it's actually three very different experiences. Yeah. Going to law school is very different from preparing for the bar exam and taking the bar exam, which is very different from practicing as a lawyer. And then I add on top of that, if you hang your own shingle, you're in a whole different world beyond going to work for a law firm. Because you now have to learn how, in addition to thinking like a lawyer, you have to learn how to think like a CEO. You have to learn how to separate you from your solo business and say, I'm here as a person. And this is my business, and I am the steward of that business, and I'm responsible for creating profitable, sustainable business for all the people that have now committed to work with me and work for me and all of that. So I think where a lot of people get in trouble is they start out thinking, I'm a lawyer, I'm going to start my own business, and they're thinking like a lawyer, and they're not thinking like a business owner or much less the CEO of a business. And they are, as the e-myth says, they're technicians. They come out as technicians, right? And don't really have the skill set that they need to run a business or even an understanding that they're not one in the same. You and your business are not one in the same, which is where most solos start out kind of with their thinking. And so what we do is we really help them transform their thinking. In law school, you learn to think like a lawyer, but if you want to own your own law firm business, you also need to learn to think like a CEO. And that's really where we come in. Yeah, no, no question about it. And and in our experience, you know, we, we do business uh, funding finance for businesses new and established. And I see this sometimes with, you know, very smart professionals who have had to jump through a lot of hoops and do a lot of college education, whether that's engineers, CPAs, uh, small medical practices, doctors, and and also attorneys and lawyers, where you've gone through this big journey to finish that education, and 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 there's kind of this thought process that wow, I've I've got this uh, you know amazing accomplishment here, and people should just come to me and want to work with me, and then they're very surprised when they, like you said, open up shop. And business just doesn't come magically. They have to switch and become a business owner. So what are some of those challenges that these new small business owners who are professionals need to learn very quickly to build their business? So when you're talking about um, getting business, you're talking about really how to attract clients. That is one aspect of it. And I think at the beginning uh, in the first couple of years, maybe the first year or so, a lot of people may be referring you because they know you've just set up a business and they're trying to help you out. And then as you build up clients, you may start getting more referrals. But are you working with your ideal client? Are you working with a client that fills you with joy when you go in to work every day? Or are you doing what they call door law or threshold threshold law, which is whatever comes across the door, the threshold, that's who I'm taking and, and what I'm doing. And so one of the things we teach our our people is how to really stop chasing after clients and start learning how to attract those ideal clients you really want to serve. And that is one aspect of it from scaling the business. So you really have to learn how to do that because quite frankly, if you don't, if you don't have a a 
clients to begin with, then the other parts of scaling your business aren't necessary yet. You've got to have enough clients to come in at that are the ideal clients that you love to serve. An ideal client, how you figure out who an ideal client is, you sit down and you really um, think through, first of all, not only who you want to serve, but get really clear in your mind on who that person is, what their core values are, how they think, do they have a legal problem you solve? Getting you, you know, a lot of people start out with demographics, and that's a great place to start male, female, you know, this age or that age. And some of that is very clear. Often, you know, attorneys will serve all different gendered people, but they may look for somebody in their 40s or 50s if they have a certain area of practice. So you can really help dial in that way. But the key thing is really to figure out how they make their buying decisions. What, what kind of processes do they go through? Who influences them? Where do they hang out? If you've been in practice for a little while, you know who your ideal client is because you probably oh, yeah. worked with them. And so really thinking back over who are your favorite clients that you work with? Who are the ones that made your life a living hell? Let those, you know, <laughs> you know, really get a picture in your mind. So if you loved working with Davina and she was awesome, then describe who Davina is and, and where she hangs out and yeah. how she makes her buying decisions and who influences her and really take a deep dive into that. And, and then you can create marketing messaging that will help you attract more clients like that. But until you get client uh, and clients, you really don't need to worry so much about the next part. The next part is what really helps you scale. And that is really learning how to leverage your resources instead of doing everything yourself, which is what I find a lot of solos get caught in this trap of kind of trying to do it all and not asking for help and, and hiring quickly enough and building those systems quickly enough. No question. So at the beginning, as, as you're launching your law firm, launching your business, you're kind of, you know, taking whoever you can get as a client just to pay the bills, keep the lights on and, and move forward. Unless maybe you, you kind of have worked at a firm or something previously and you've really got a good idea of who your niche is, who your dream client is that you want to serve. But as soon as you can really define who that dream client is, the ideal client, you know, that you want to take care of, you understand their pain points and you know you can help them get the result that they want and need. Now you can really, that's kind of step one to really getting your, your law firm, you know, moving forward, defining who that ideal client is. Once you get that figured out, then you can start to manage manage resources. Um, you know, how important is it to, to have some financing, some capital available uh, to be able to grow that business uh, at the start? Is it more important just with some relationships to get referrals? Like uh, what, what does that look like, uh, you know, with the, the different uh, lawyers that you've worked with to get their business really off the ground and running? So I'll tell you one of the, um, one of the biggest challenges of starting a law firm is most solo law firms start out their bootstrapping. So they're oh, paying yeah. their way, they're pulling out of their own pockets. And it's a real mind sh mindset shift for people to think about borrowing money for their business or finding other ways to fund their business. So sometimes you will see cases where you will have people who will come together as partners and all put in some money to start a firm. But most times you see an individual who starts out as a solo, where the funding really becomes important, where they need to start thinking about how am I going to pay for this or do this is when they start to leverage their resources. And that is looking at, so capital is a resource. Hiring people is a resource. So the more people you have on your team, the more clients you're going to be able to serve, the bigger impact you're going to be able to make. 
And that is the part where people start thinking, I can't hire somebody because I don't have the money to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm scared I won't be able to pay them. And this is particularly the case when lawyers start hiring other lawyers. They may hire Mm. some staff thinking I can start them part time. I can make them then I can grow into staff. But when it comes to hiring lawyers, that's where they start saying, I'm scared. Am I going to be able to guarantee this lawyer top dollar to work for me and be competitive? And so that's a place where I think funding could really help people if they would sort of expand their minds in terms of looking at, does it have to come out of my pocket or what, what ways can I be resourceful and find the, the money that I need to be able to do this? It's the same thing with systems, setting up systems. You may need to make an investment in your business that is a substantial investment in terms of setting up systems in your business and hiring people to operate those systems particularly if you want a law firm business where you can be pulled back from the day-to-day operations and all the details, right? And not get so burned out because that's usually what I see with solos um, who get into that mid six-figure mark. They are, they've done it maybe with a couple of staff people and they're really burned out because they're doing everything themselves. To get over into that million dollar mark and beyond, you really are going to need more resources for that. In all yeah, no, classes, no question. Right? And and it's a huge step though, because once you can graduate from just having, you know, some some paralegals, some processors, some secretaries, to actually having an attorney or two and really building that firm, how much leverage does that now give you as the law firm owner to grow and scale? And if you never make that step to hire your first attorney or two, you know, how much more difficult is it to actually build a real business that doesn't take 80 hours a week? Right. Well, we go through an equation with our clients where we actually demonstrate for them how much if you hire, if you have three attorneys, it could be yourself and two other attorneys, you hire three attorneys, there's your million dollars right there. And that's with low hours and low billing, right? Low low billable hour, 250 an hour, 1,560 hours a year, which big firms often require 2,000 hours a year of billing. You do that, multiply it times three, you're into your million dollars, right? So we go through a math equation and we show them how advantageous it is, not only, but it's not only about the, about the money, you know, oftentimes in business, we think those of us who are about driving wealth and driving the money, we're looking at that. But for the firm owners, it's also about not burning out, not trying to do everything yourself, providing a higher quality of service to your clients, being able to serve bigger clients, clients that you really love to serve, being able to have a serve a lot more clients and have a greater impact in the world and really transforming into that CEO, into that leader, into that manager from somebody who's just there doing as a technician. So that's, that is also a big focus on it. It's kind of, since I work, I have worked with men, law firm owners, um, but now through this brand, I work largely with women. And one of the things that a lot of women do is they're, they're doing a lot of mental work at home and in the office. So they're very burned out because they feel like they're always on. And so trying to show them a way to say, what got you here, all that doing to get good grades and proving yourself an achievement is not going to be the same thing that gets you over to that next level into that seven figure mark and beyond. That's going to require a team. And so you're going to need to learn the skill set for creating and growing a team and really turning it into a wealth generating business that is separate from you as an individual. 
So, you know, coming into 2023 and seeing all the different uh, adjustments and the interruptions, the pandemic, the last uh, two, three years, and all the different things that have happened to business, obviously, especially with, with attorneys, a lot of cases were drug out and, and delayed. So you've got all these different uh, challenges, but at the top of the biz, business challenge that you, you alluded to at the beginning here is I've got to have clients. I've got to be able to find my dream clients. So what are some of the top law firms that you're working with doing and strategies are you recommending to be able to generate clients on demand where you always have enough clients coming in, enough deals coming in to serve your client and get them the result they need to where you can actually justify taking that step to hire additional attorneys and really grow and scale that business. What do those marketing strategies look like in 2023? Well, so I think it's really been interesting with the pandemic because I think there's been such a shift and in the legal industry, like so many industries, right? We People who were already working in a virtual way before the pandemic started, and there were a lot of law firms that were because the technology is now available to do that, made that shift very easily and actually gained a lot of business because they were already accustomed to serving clients virtually. They were accustomed to marketing virtually. They were accustomed to having carrying on sales conversations virtually. And those who didn't have any of those processes in place really struggled. Now we're on the other side of that. Now everybody's in the, everybody's offering services in every kind of way they can for business. I think when it comes to what I, when I talk about marketing strategy for my clients, we really take a custom approach because you have to know th- there's a big difference between personal injury firms, for instance, and family law firms or uh, business law firms or estate planning. And also then the geographic location makes a difference. Your core values and what you are as a firm and who you want to represent makes a difference. So I don't think there's any one best way. I do think, you know, that is a blanket solution for everybody. I think you have to look at sort of the growth, uh, where they are in terms of their growth and what it is they're trying to achieve. As you get bigger and bigger, though, I do think that paid um, opportunities. If you're not putting paid opportunities in your structure, you're just trying to rely on word of mouth marketing, then I think you're really missing out because, you know, what's the first thing that people do when they're looking for an attorney? Everybody thinks that every, you know, we're going to ask our, our best friend or our cousin or whatever, but now a lot of people are going to social media and they're asking people, they're crowdsourcing their solutions. A lot of people, you know, you can tell me, Leo, can say, hey, Davina, I recommend this person. I'm what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to go to, you know, the Google and I'm going to look them up. So there, I do think you, as your firm gets bigger and bigger, you need a source that is generating leads for you without you having to go out to networking meetings or being on doing TikToks all day or on Instagram or whatever it is. But I do think that there are some smaller firms as they're growing if they have more time than resources, then they may take advantage of some of these opportunities that didn't exist. Social media did not, uh, Facebook, I think was only a few years old when I started my law firm in 2007. Instagram wasn't even a twinkle in somebody's eye. So, you know, I do think we have a lot of um, new techniques that we can use, but the main thing is getting visible. If people do not know that you are out there to serve them and that they need to hire a really great law firm like yours, 
then if you're not getting that message out to where your clients are hanging out, then you're really missing the boat. So in 2023, you see this where, you know, like you said, in the last couple of years, those business owners and law firm owners who had already kind of established that virtual presence and knew how to do their business uh, virtually and more effectively without necessarily having to meet with people in person, and they had marketing and social media strategies out there. How important is it to have a really strong, strong online review presence? Because whether you like it or not, reviews are going to pop up. They're going to happen even if you don't set up your, you know, business page on with Google or, you know, any of these other review services out there. And so you've, it seems like you've got to get ahead of that. How many law firms are kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to online reviews and how important is that? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because reviews are a double-edged sword. So I have, I have, uh, I may have a different point of view about reviews. I well, think good, reviews, yeah. Push back. I'm, I wonder what you think. Yeah. Obviously, gathering reviews is important. If you can get reviews from your clients, I think uh, a lot of people, uh, I believe in setting up systems to collect reviews and get reviews. I think, you know, some people may struggle with that, though, depending on who their client is, because inherent as a law firm, inherent in that is the privacy and the confidentiality of the client. So sometimes people facing legal problems may not want to be giving reviews. So you may struggle a little bit. But one of the things yeah. that uh, I've certainly shared methods for people to gather more reviews, but one of the uh, things that I think you need to keep in mind is that uh, a lot of these were kind of forced into this with things like Yelp and Google and all of yeah. the services that require reviews. And they're not always wonderful at filtering out those reviews that are inauthentic. Maybe a family member did not like an outcome we got for someone And they went on and they wrote something, even though they weren't a client of ours. And most attorneys and law firms are hamstrung in terms of how they can, by the Bar Association, on how they can respond to those reviews. Uh, In Florida, for instance, we're given language that is very, you know, generic language that we can use to respond to those reviews because we owe a duty of confidentiality. Now, if it's somebody who's not a client, we can say that. So I do think it's a double-edged sword. And I also think that if you've got a couple of reviews that aren't great, but you got, you know, a hundred that are great, that most people are going to think that's more authentic anyway. So I think you have to kind of put reviews in their place and, uh, but they definitely do, you know, make a difference. So you do want to set up a system to try to collect reviews from all of those uh, clients who have been satisfied, who are willing to do that. And you can hire services to help you do that. One of the things that I have, uh, I helped a client who went from hardly any reviews. They had been in practice for 30 something years and it wasn't a thing when they were growing their practice. And then suddenly, oh, we have to compete with these younger people who are getting reviews left and right. So what they started doing is I said, start creating a closeout meeting with your clients. And while you're gathering documents or whatnot, whatnot, you hand them the iPad open and say, would you mind leaving us a review? And it's open and it's right there. And it was something they were able to do because they were still having a lot of in-person contact with their clients. You know, that's just the nature of their business. And they went to thousands of reviews because they had the clients who loved them and, but they just weren't getting that message. And, you know, oftentimes you could ask and ask and ask, but your review is going to get buried in an email. So sometimes a more direct approach and asking can be the thing that really helps you get the job done. Exactly right. And, and I don't think you have to ask 
ask everybody who comes through your door for for a review but certainly you know those that uh that can give an honest uh you know feedback and we're reasonable people to work with it's definitely important in building that online presence one of the things you've talked a lot about throughout the last few minutes in terms of building an actual business where you're working on the business and not always in it in, in other words not always doing all the technical work and all of the legal work, but you can actually hire additional attorneys, build the firm out. And it's really similar, I think, with any small business owner out there looking to scale beyond seven figures and, and beyond is systems and processes, building those out. What are some of the keys to building out successful systems and processes to where you can actually step out of the day-to-day -day and manage and run that business as the you know attorney CEO versus being the attorney worker working on every single case that comes through the door. Right, right. So first I think there's a mindset adjustment. You have to oh, yeah. you have to do some mindset work to sort of let oh, yeah. go of your uh, beliefs around I'm the best person. It's just quicker and easier. No one can do this better than me to be nobody a... does it better than me. And and I know because I am this person at heart, you know, this is how I had to do this for myself. Um and uh, so I think there's that is a huge part. But then when it comes to setting up systems, I wrote a book. I can't see it from here. It's the other one um, called The Wealthy Woman Lawyer's Guide to uh, Building a Systems-Driven Business, a law firm business. And in it, I identify seven essential systems because I think most attorneys, when you mention system, their go-to mindset is case management. Oh, I need case management. That's what you're talking about when you say system. Case management is only a component in in a set of systems that a business needs to run, whether it's a law firm or any other service-based business, any business, right? And so identifying, the, I identify in the book, the seven essential systems that I think every law firm needs to run. And so it's really kind of the internal and the external systems. The internal systems are the systems where you're thinking about the buyer's experience, the client and their experience. How am I going to attract them and bring them into my firm? What is the first you know, impression they're going to have of me. Where are they going to hear about me and get visible and known? How am I get known to them so that they raise their hand when they have a problem? The intake, the onboarding, the fulfillment piece, which is the legal work that we go to. We think that's the whole business. Also, the service aspect of that fulfillment piece, because I think that gets neglected a lot. We're there doing the work, thinking it's enough, and we haven't built a service system in there, which is where it makes it easier to collect those reviews you were talking about. And then, um, and then from there, the offboarding and how do we get them back in and how do we get them referring and that kind of thing. And then there are three internal systems, which are people, technology, and finance. So you need systems around hiring, firing, training, all of that. You need managing people. You need systems around your finance and running your books. You need systems around selecting technology and not getting every widget out there if it's just because you saw somebody talking about it on social media. How are we going to get the technology that's best for our firm? So. All of these areas require us to give some thought and time into how we can how we can make decisions and function without it having to be us as the ones controlling all the details and making all the decisions. You want to be able to set things up so that you can train others to step in and help you expand. Because uh, a wise mentor once told me, Davina, you can manage all the details or you can grow, but you can't do both. And it is, it is something I fight against to this day because I'm a very detail-oriented person. I'm a lawyer by training. I was a, an editor, a copy editor by training. So details matter to me. And it is, it is something, though, that I have learned over time 
I have to let go of those details and trust other people in, in doing that. And that's really the basis of systems is, is, you know, learning, figuring out what systems you need and then just taking it one step at a time. You're, you're always going to be evolving and growing in your systems. It's never going to be a one and done. No question. Davina, what, uh, in your experience, just kind of estimating, I don't know if there's any data on this, but would you estimate the percentage of attorneys that are actually able to build a seven figures law firm? Well, it's interesting because I, I do think it is uh, a low percentage. I, I can't yeah. tell you off the top of my head. I do have some data on it actually, but uh, there ha- it's like, because I've done research particularly around business, women in business, and I think it's like less than, it's like 1.7% of women who start wow. their bi- own business grow it over a million dollars, right? Yeah. So that's a really low percentage. And that's, that's kind it of is. why we're out here doing what we're doing is because it's disturbing to me that you have such high achieving people who are, who have put in the work, but they don't know how to take that degree and turn it into money. And it's because they were never taught the business skills, the practical business skills. I even have, you know, people who have MBAs and that's not enough because you really need the practical education on how to, how we have to change our mindsets, which is a huge part of it. And you're doing that as you're doing and you're learning and, and then you have to take action. You have to really get in it, in the trenches and do it and then educate, do educate, do. So you become a master at a thing, right? But it is a depressingly low number, but we are we are of the mind of changing it. Unfortunately, there's not a legal, you know, there's not statistics specific to the legal community around that. There is a lot to show. There is a report that the ABA put out called Walking Out the Door, and it is about women lawyers who have gone through the practice of uh, big law, and they leave before they're really reaping the benefits of all of their work. They're leaving in their 50s when they're at the pinnacle of their career. And the reason they're doing it is because they feel unsupported by some of the traditional structure of big law firms. And so, so many now younger lawyers are just going right out and starting their own law firm. And so they really need support around around that because there's a lot to learn and a lot to know. There is. And one of the big challenges I see with a lot of small business owners, and especially obviously, uh, you know, those who are professionals in the industries of accounting, you know, legalities, uh, attorneys, lawyers, small uh, medical practices, doctors, is they feel like, oh, I invested so much time and so much money in this education. And there's this, uh, you know, challenge where they can't uh, fathom investing and spending more after they get out of college. But if they don't make those investments in the right coaches, systems, and roadmap, like you said, it's less than a few percentage points of those who are going to actually build a seven figures business, build a business where they have that control to actually manage it instead of work and do all of the technical uh, you know, aspects to make that business function. And so that's why I believe without a doubt, it's so important that you invest in coaching, trainings, mentors, people who have already done it and helped other people do it. Otherwise, your odds of success are extremely low. And so for a lot of the audience right now that's listening to this podcast, they're thinking, wow, amazing value bombs that Davina has dropped for us. What's the next step that someone can take to you know, connect with you and get an idea of a glimpse of what this roadmap to building a seven figures law firm could actually look like? Thanks for asking. So there's a couple of ways. One is I have a podcast called the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. So if you're a podcast listener and you love podcasts like I do, I, I enjoy listening to Leo's podcast. 
Um, and uh, I am constantly listening to, to podcasts as I'm working out or as I'm driving places. So Wealthy Woman Lawyer is the podcast. We are the, right now, the number one, according to Feedspot, we are the number one uh, podcast for women in law in the United States. And we have a really wow. good following. So go, go there, check that out. You can also visit WealthyWomanLawyer.com. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Wealthy Woman Lawyer. And I'm on LinkedIn, Davina Frederick, you find me there. Uh, so however you'd like to connect with me. Um, but those are ways that you could sort of come into our world. We have the two books I mentioned are um, on the website. You can purchase them through the website. So if you go to wealthywomanlawyer.com, just click on shop and it'll take you right to the two books. One is on systems. One is on marketing. So the two topics we've really talked about today, there's some great resources right there for you for uh, about 20 bucks. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I'm checking it out right now. We got Wealthy Woman Lawyer Systems Drive Law Firm Businesses and Wealthy Woman Lawyers Law Firm Marketing in the Virtual Age. Very good resources. Again, this is not a passive podcast. Make sure you guys check out Wealthy Woman Lawyer uh, in the podcast arena, any major platforms out there, Spotify, Apple, et cetera, and then WealthyWomanLawyer.com and click on that shop button to get those resources with those books. Well, Davina, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. We all learned a lot, but I one thing I'm going to take away from it is the principles of success in your business, whether you're you know, an attorney building a law firm, a doctor building a small medical practice, a marketing professional building an agency, those principles are very similar you know, in terms of finding a mentor, a coach, in terms of building out systems and processes to actually build a seven figures business. And those that take the time to make those investments are going to be much more likely to succeed. Right, absolutely, thank you. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.